Welcome back to At Source, a community conversation that gets to the origin of matters that affect us the most. I'm your host, Kieran Cook, and together we'll be diving into health and wellbeing, gaining useful insights direct from the source. James Denton is a co-founder of Good For, a whole food refillery chain that is taking aim at our waste problem. With six stores around New Zealand and counting, James is passionate about changing how we think about sustainable shopping and organic foods, making them easily accessible and a simple swap for even your everyday essentials. In this episode, we discuss organic food, mindful shopping, sustainability and more. Welcome, James. James, it is great to have you here on the At Source podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. And it's really interesting to be able to talk to you uh, in, in depth about Good For, um, which is a whole food refillery chain. And it's really taking aim at our waste problem uh, here in New Zealand, which is a, a brave thing to do. So you've got six stores, is that right, around New Zealand? Yep. Six stores and counting. So let's get started. I'm interested in uh, this episode to take a good look at organic food, mindful shopping, sustainability, and a whole lot more. So yeah, welcome to this podcast. So let's sort of start um, and just sort of discuss what sort of fueled your desire to start Good For. You know, maybe just share a little bit about that journey because just doing a little bit of reading before we chatted um, this morning, um, I can see that you haven't come from this sort of side of business. You actually started in the yachting and the boating industry and uh, found it a little bit soulless and sort of ran dry with that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, was traveling um, for a while overseas and um, did a bit of boating. Uh, for about a year, but could couldn't hack it. Yeah. Yes, get it. Um, and then came back to New Zealand and started a business with a couple of mates, a mm. taco um, truck, um, and that kind of didn't work out. So we we moved apart from there. Um, and then uh, my partner Georgie and I moved to Auckland, and Georgie had actually started the subscription box business. It was a health food uh, business, and. Um, we're essentially getting like a thousand um, packages from about 10 different suppliers every single month and boxing them into these boxes. And um, her and I started to, to, to think this was, it was pretty crazy, the amount of packaging that was going through and it started to not make sense to us. Um, and at the same time, um, I had a, I've got a mate who's like a sustainability architect and every time I caught up with him, he started telling me how bad the world was and how we're about to, uh, turn into crisis mm. so um, all of these things started happening and um, I, I started to think you know if we're going to be in business uh, why don't we do something that's uh, going to provide a more sustainable future and, and kind of set a goal like that so you know took took the leap of faith to start thinking around that um, and then you know good for kind of popped into the ether popped out of the ether through uh, a mixture of going into places like Bin In um, and, you know, being on social media and looking at all these cool places around the world. Was that in um, Australia, Bin In? Uh, Bin In is a New Zealand company, oh, actually. Okay, because I, I had sort of seen that you'd seen something going off in Australia and growing pretty, exponi- you know, pretty exponentially and you were like, wow, there must be something in this. So what was that chain of stores? Yeah, so that was called The Source, actually. Oh. The Source Okay, and, but close to at source. <laughs> I should have remembered yeah. that. Yeah, the source. Okay, so so what was it about the source that sort of grabbed your attention? 
Yeah, so I was just actually just um, kind of reading and mag- this is after I uh, had kind of started thinking about this and I was reading a magazine um, and saw, saw an image of the source and I thought uh, this was probably one of the best put together ones that I'd seen. Uh, and it was just the idea that it was just incredibly well designed and clean. You know, I think mm. the idea of bulk food store where you go and scoop and weigh product um, is typically been seen as unhygienic. Yeah. Uh, so the theory was how do we make it uh, much more appealing from a hygiene perspective? Yes. And you've worked hard at that. I mean, the stores look really appealing. They're very clean. Your choice around materials with the steel and the wood. You know, you've obviously put a lot of thought into that. Did you work with an architect to kind of come up with that? Yeah, so my same uh, friend, mm. um, him and I spent uh, a few hours kind of uh, thinking about how we would make it uh, yeah. have a really nice design element to it. Mm. And, of course, you've learned heaps along the way. Like I really found it interesting how you talked about mindset and where the store was located was just so critical because – you could have a store where you had a sort of a flurry of excitement. People would come in, go, oh, this is really cool, but they actually wouldn't shop. And then you needed to sort of have the store somewhere near a supermarket because, uh, you know, mums who are particularly short of time would actually go, I need this, this and this, and yes, I can actually get this over here. And so the the adjunct or the, the proximity with supermarket was just so critical for you as a business model. But that must make it really expensive too, right? Yeah, I think like, uh, you know, we were incredibly naive getting into it at the start and um, we've learned a lot over the years. And I wouldn't say that's a necessary factor anymore, the supermarket element to it. Um, I think that uh, that that, play, that played a role because there's traffic going there. But I think like-minded businesses um, uh, as, as a key element, there has to be uh, so, something else around you to get get uh, a, a lot of people around there. Right. Uh, one of one of our latest ones that we've done in Nelson is actually, you know, it's it's by a really cool veggie market. Um, oh, yeah. We're kind of symbiotically uh, yeah. working with each other. So so that that's kind of the future of where we'll go with it. I actually mm-hmm. I actually don't um, like the idea that we we're beside like a countdown or a new yeah. world anymore. It's more psychographics um, that need to align than yeah, just sure. functionality around shopping as such. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so, I mean, if we were to sort of, um, I guess, look, you know, you talk about it being a leap of faith, but it sounds like it was more like an, an educated guess that you recognised that plastic-free living was a place that we needed to be arriving at. Um, and that we needed to do this shape shift it at a larger scale. Um, and, you know, it isn't enough now either to be just talking organics, is it? This this organics space um, has become a lot larger. How would you sort of define the importance uh, and the pragmatism from full cyclic, you know, approach around organics? Because it's not just about consumers buying organics. We need to be able to support our local growers. So maybe just sort of explaining that because I think, you know, a lot of consumers, they obviously shy away from buying organics because if, you know, you're just chasing price and you're at the bottom of the barrel and you want to go to pack and save and get the cheapest, that's a different conversation from buying organics. 
And then you're buying organics, and if you're buying local, that's different from buying organics and buying from China. And and you you position that really nicely because you talk about well, if you're going to buy organic and you're going to buy say nuts from New Zealand, the price point of that's going to be different again from buying organic nuts from China. And I think there needs to be a little bit more education around that because you can't compare that, and you can't compare uh, you know buying nuts from pack and save either. So maybe just educate us a little bit more around that because there's a whole lot of goodness in that message and if we can just get consumers to understand that a bit better, that might actually help to drive the purchase cycle a bit more too. Yeah. Um, I think um, organics is always just a massive education point. Um, you know, it, it does, it is more expensive um, and, you know, majority of the market, vast majority are going to go to the lower price um, and to get them across the education barrier is near on impossible. Um, so good for, you know, our, our kind of values in organics, uh, you know, good soil health is, is a cr- crucial element to the environment and then mm. it's a crucial element to our health. Um, but we also recognise that, if we go out there and become a fully organic store and we label ourselves organic, uh, we actually segment ourselves into a tiny portion of the market. Uh, we're immediately looked at as really expensive. Um, and it does eliminate the idea of us being able to grab a more local product that's not organic um, and that's of a higher quality um, than a foreign organic product, which we don't really intimately know. Mm. Um, so that, that allowed us and our brand to be able to do that. So you know, have a hierarchy. Sure, we want to we want to buy the highest quality, um, closest uh, and proximity product um, because ultimately that's better for the environment than buying an organic product, having it shipped over on a ship for thousands of miles. Yeah, um, we'd prefer to buy non lightly sprayed non organic product from down the road. So, um, yeah, yeah. So there's. A, I, th- yeah. I, th- I think in terms of. You know, what we do, we don't have fresh produce. So fresh produce is a massive aspect uh, to, you know, the organic conversation. Um, we're, we're, we're buying products that you can't even grow in New Zealand, um, you know, dry goods, et cetera, that the market wants. Um, but when there is uh, one of our products that is grown in New Zealand, um, if it's not organic, would take it over a product that is organic and from thousands of miles away. Mm. Just when you talk about organic being good for our health, just to take you back to that point, um, and you talk about soil health and the correlation, I guess, the synergy there between soil health and are you talking about our gut health and micro, good microbiome? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, your, the, 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 the idea with, um, you know, a non-organic product is that uh, we're putting chemicals into the soil, onto the plant, that is essentially getting rid of anything that could uh, damage that plant, right? Um, so, you know, the, the, every, everything that's good about a, a plant that we're eating or, you know, ultimately what turns out to be a nut or a seed, um, you know, it comes from those microorganisms within the soil. If you're killing all of those microorganisms, um, you are not having the opportunity to bring that into your body. And the relation between that soil and your gut health, you know, I'm not an expert here, but just um, logically, it's so crucial. Mm. So there is a massive health benefit due to the increased micro 
um, organisms within the soil in an organic product over a non-organic product. Yeah, that's right. Well, we've had a little bit of a, a conversation about this um, in and out with AdSource podcast about about soil health and eating seasonally and organic whole foods um, and the goodness in and around that, which was why I sort of wanted to touch on that. And of course, you know, eating locally and cutting down on, um, you know, you know, gases and fuels to, you know, carbon footprints to get food from A to B or what would probably feel like A to Z if it's coming from China. And you mentioned yeah. that, you know, with EVs coming in and hybrids and so forth and with the sort of change in infrastructure over time with transportation, that, that could change up um, a little bit of, of, of that as well. But it's going to take time, I think, James, for us to be able to sustainably support that sort of infrastructure too at scale here in New Zealand. We're not really set up at the moment for that. I think there's some some good thinking there, but I'm not sure that we have the, the grid, if you like, to be able to support that at scale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're a very, very long period of time before that all transitions. That's right. Uh, and in and, and terms of just, the, you know, the, the desire for the Good Falls offering, I um, mean, it, it was a leap of faith in that it was something new for New Zealand. And you started in Williamson Avenue. You obviously identified that that was a great place to begin. Did you think it was going to work? Like, did you have a gut feeling there? Speaking about the gut, uh, did you have a sort of a sense of intuition that this was going to be a ripper? Or did you think, oh, you know, well, you're kind of like kind of quaking at the knees? How did it feel? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, anything's nerve-wracking. Uh, I signed that lease with, with nothing. <laughs> Well, you just kind of uh, quickly, was it two weeks where you raised that capital, like 200K? I don't know how you did that. Very, you, have to, you have to let me know. <laughs> it was a very short space of time. Yeah. Uh, no, it was definitely a leap of faith. But at the same time, um, I and, and there was no conversation around it at the time. Like there was no mainstream conversation around plastic. You know, we even got the opportunity to to trademark the word, the word refillery. You know, we, we ended up owning that word because there just wasn't really a conversation going on. Uh, so it was a leap in that sense. But at the same time, um, there was 30 bin-ins at the time. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I just thought with a really, like, clean brand and a, and a much more kind of clean, well-designed store with high-quality product, like, it's food. How, how could it not kind of work mm. um so so yeah i think i think there was it was a good it was a good risk yeah uh, taken yeah yeah i know what you mean well we're just sort of talking about mainstream here and you mentioned you mentioned it because obviously we were bringing you're bringing this this idea to the masses you know how how did you have the confidence to sort of bring both sustainability and health i guess to the mainstream you know rather than niche because i mean it, it was it is a leap, you know, I think to, to be to bring your own jars into store that requires extra organization for the consumer. It it also requires a degree of mindfulness, not just organization for busy people, but mindfulness, right? And you know, we're not all over the line on that. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, oh, they're, they're, we're, we're, it's such a tiny part of the market. Um and we're constantly um working on ways in which it can become more and more appealing um you know we're starting to move into that that compostable packaging element as well mm. um, to make it a little bit more convenient uh, but at the same time 
that that core function of like coming in with your jars and bottles uh it's not just the idea that you're reducing plastic by doing that uh there is so much more to it than that so many more health benefits and that mindfulness thing is a massive element um it was really good to go on with your jars like it's incredibly satisfying uh yeah. so, so we're going to try and continue to make that more and more attractive um we've got plenty of things that we're doing to to make that happen and even when you're in store uh to make it faster even when you're filling your own jars oh yes yeah um make it faster and and more enjoyable yeah and i'm seeing it quite a bit i mean lewis road creamery are doing it um you mentioned uh in one of your interviews there's a peanut butter brand that you're quite fond of doing some yeah, good yeah. work uh, I, Bay Road. Yes, Bay Road. They're doing yeah, some yeah, cool. What, he, yeah. He refills his jars. Um, I don't think any other peanut butter brand's really doing that. Well, we're, we're, do, we're doing it to a degree, but he's, he really puts in a lot of effort there. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, he's a mate of yours, isn't he? Is he South yeah. Island based only? He's in Dunedin. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Not well, good things happen in Dunedin. <laughs> um, yeah, they do. Don't they? Um, I'm interested just to hear a little bit more about your uh, your tree planting project at Good For. I believe that you've partnered with Trees for the Future since you opened your first store. So I'm just a little bit interested in why Trees for the Future. Yeah, so we started with Trees for the Future um, and I, li- I liked the idea of it. They had a really good reputation and it was essentially like one transaction provides one seed. Um, hmm. But over the after the first couple of years, we uh, we didn't feel like there was enough transparency. It didn't feel like we were really uh, uh, in control of it. So we uh, actually went on to our own initiative. Right. Um, we're doing, you know, every 60 purchases, we're contributing, contributing $6 to a native tree, mm. and we're actually organizing ourselves tree planting days. Uh, the pandemic has interrupted three of those days. Mm. Um which has been a shame, and you have to, you've got a three-month window. But we've got uh, around 15,000 trees uh, to plant, um, so we're going to have to do quite a lot of work. Yeah. Um, over the, over it's, the a, ne- it's a lot of people hours, isn't it? Like- well, the first replanting day we had, we had about 140 people um, okay. come along. So you've got um, volunteers so- that are just put their hands up, get the work just done. Just our customers, they want to do uh, it. They love it. Really? Yep. And, and where are you planting? Uh, so the, the the one and only one we've done um, before we were interrupted a couple of times because yeah. it takes quite a lot of organisation was uh, in Devonport, um, but we've actually linked up with um, the Waipua Forest Trust um, up near Dargaville. Okay. In and we've got a, a huge amount of land to plant on, and they've I've got they've got a nursery. So that that's our destination for the next couple mm. of years, mm. uh, and we'll have uh, three or four days, um, kind of every winter between June and September. That's excellent. So it sounds really well organised, and that you've actually got the the people power, which is what you need to kind of get the job done. Um, wow, that's 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 fantastic. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more later on because I hear that you're sort of in schools talking and you've become a little bit more sort of an activist over time. So I guess the tree planting is, you know, part of that sort of being you sort of doing the work, get, getting in and doing the work, you know, just, just going back to the foods, the foods that, you know, you're, you have, you know, the, the, the term whole food and why people just the, from the tr- nutritional stance, you know, why should people be looking to incorporate, you know, eating whole foods and eating more whole foods. Can you just explain that a bit more? Yeah, well, your your 
podcast name is 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 the key to it really like going going to the source of things mm. um, you know ultimately uh we'd, we'd all be doing really well if we had a veggie garden we we're kind of mm. living there and, and um closer to the land yeah so 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 for we're, we're we're big promoters of um you know going finding out where your local farmers market is and going and get, mm. getting your produce etc from there because that's as local as you can possibly get um, and you know, you look at the entire good for store, um, kind of the most processed things we've got in there is pasta, um, which is a big, which is a, um, a favorite of people's, but you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately, uh, you're just, you're taking, you're taking raw ingredient and you're doing as little as possible to it before you're getting it in your body. Cause it's got its highest energy content at that point. Mm. Uh, the more you process something down, the more it gets cut up, the more it dies, mm. Uh, the more it's mixed with things that potentially shouldn't be mixed with, you know, every single kind of packaged product you can imagine these days has got something that is extending its shelf life. Um, well, I was just going to yeah. ask you that though. Does that is that does that pose problem for you for shelf life? Like, has that become very high turnover for you and difficult and expensive, and you have more waste because things aren't well, sitting yeah. around for as long? It, that, that's another element to the stores, right? Like we've got less than a percent of product waste, um, and it's because it's because the product's raw and it is dried out in that raw form. Um, you know, it's not processed and and moisture added to it, etc., where it could uh, could degrade really quickly. Mm. So um, we, you know, our business model allows us to have uh, less than a percent food waste. Uh, right. We don't have. Food. Fresh, fresh produce um, and you know the, the shelf life of a lot of our products is quite long at, at the same time we don't hold much stock so mm. that that all ties into the fact that you know there is not there, there's not much product waste and it, on the customer side of that as well um, you know they're able to kind of choose whatever whatever portions they need so they don't tend to have any food waste either how did you get that right how, how have you learned not not knowing anything about this business? Just the, the the flow of supply and demand. I reckon I'm about thirty percent there. Um, <laughs> okay, well that's honest because I'm sitting here going, I mean, just how do you get that? How do you walk into that business? And I mean, I would never do a restaurant, even if I'm a good cook, because in reality, food technology is just a whole other thing than just cooking your family a good meal. Yeah, no, it's it's been yeah. As I said, we were incredibly naive, um, and it's been very hard to figure out all the systems mm. um, but just having those core pillars to the company around cleanliness and and um, high quality product uh, mm. kind of leads to how quickly can we turn this product over um, how can we hold less of it um, and how local can we get it do you bring in smart people like people brighter than you to kind of keep the business sharp like yeah, consultants I think, I think the company smarter than me um, but no <laughs> we we do occasionally have um a, a consultant coming we're working with a guy right now actually um he's super bright and um, has he got had, fmcg experience like that's his thing yeah 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 um good with uh kind of making things efficient yeah i'd imagine you'd almost need that kind of grocery hat on the whole time just sort of yeah absolutely do you think that you know the mindfulness you know this process of refilling sort of encourages people to live a healthier lifestyle like look I'm just going to put my hand up I mean the concept of refilling for me I'm I'm actually just going to go and do it as a 
it's just as an act, a mindful act, I'm going to give it a go this week. I'm going to go to one of your stores and I'm going to just go, right, I'm going to get some jars and I'm going to put them on my boat. And that for me is a big, <laughs> that's going to be a big deal. Um, but I mean, it, you know, I just don't feel like I'm a terribly organized person. So it's going to be interesting. But um, do you think that people just do eat more healthily once they get into this sort of system, this way of shopping and being? Absolutely. Like if you take us from the beginning to where we are now, I think that like um, just from friends and family, like going into their houses and kitchens and everything, mm. like they're just, they're not in the same state. And like you potentially you'd think that uh, our kind of kitchen and food consumption is a bit odd. Like it, 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 the pantry does kind of look a little bit bland because it doesn't have yes, all these brands. yes. The boxes, um, the colours, the seduction of good packaging. Totally. Yeah. But it, it definitely does lead you down that way. Like we've just, yeah, we asked the question, you know, you, you, you very occasionally reflect and you go, I'm really proud of that. Mm. Um, and then you go, okay, cool. If we look at the fridge, what can we do here? And we've just got into this rhythm of um, good for shop Sunday, um, farmer's market shop Sunday. Mm. and it's in this kind of cadence that just works really well mm. um, and there's just very little packaging involved in the whole process and it's I it's, it's got to be significantly less time consuming than what I know other um, kind of friends and family go through well actually I mean I must admit over the years I've had a real rubbish problem a real waste issue I've had uh I think my rubbish bins have probably been the highest in the street, like without doubt, every Tuesday or every Friday. I've had to sneak around neighbourhoods and find empty rubbish bins at midnight. <laughs> it's, all, it's all coming out today. I've had, you know, I've had real dilemmas with black sacks and I've been known to stand on top of rubbish bins and because I just can't believe the level of consumerism in our household. But, you know, cardboard boxes and if you order fish from Sanford, what do you do with all the ice cubes? There's only so many you can put in the freezer and there's only so many, you know, uh, holostyrene boxes that you can, chili boxes that you can handle in a garage and it is a real issue. So um, we do have an issue. I think households must be facing an issue. I can't be the only person out there with a rubbish crisis, right, every week with children, growing small children and then growing into teenagers and then they get toys and things and tech and that that all comes in boxes and plastic and and so forth so it is a very sort of real issue um yeah so okay and people are probably going well you know that that's quite a quite a confession um do you think that um you know it's easy to navigate the home compostable packaging because I mean I personally find it quite difficult to navigate because it's not just my own actions but it's actually just sort of managing three or four others so what sort of systems would you recommend for that? Uh, well, we've got, we've got a little um, home composting bucket um, that, you, that you just pop whatever in, uh, and one of the rubbish guys, mm. uh, one of the companies, Green Gorilla, comes and picks oh, it yes. up. It's just so, so effortless. All our food waste goes in there. All yeah. of our compostable packaging that we don't want to use goes in there. So, um, yeah, so they're separate guys. They're yeah. not council. You just organise them to come along and do their thing once a week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that that makes that process really easy, mm. um, and the compostable packaging, um, you know, it's still it's still an up and comer, still really expensive for companies to use, mm. still doesn't one hundred percent work, 
you know, we've, we've fortunately in that position where, um, you know, we're pushing the fact that you get a, you get a very light form compostable pack, package that keeps your product um, good for a, for a couple of days, mm. but then you put it up, you decant it into your mm. containers, mm. your awesome containers that you got to have. What um, about so, um, oil-based plastic? I mean, that's a massive issue, right? That's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 the pro- it's the problem, right? Yeah, it's, like sh- it's the elephant problem. in the room. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a problem that uh, we could never possibly get on top of. Mm. Uh, How does so that make to- you feel? Because I mean, you're going to great lengths here <laughs> to kind of do your bit and to get us to do all our bit collectively. Uh, how can we, you know, how can we address it really? What do you think? I just look at it in a cur- more curious way. Like I find it interesting that. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the very large portion, the very large majority of the population, like they don't like it, but they won't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a challenge and, you know, we're, we're just thinking about, okay, cool. How do we overcome that challenge by another two or 3% over like a five year period? So sort of like bit by bit, you're sort of tackling it sensibly bit by bit. But, I mean, you, there is obviously some corporate responsibility, surely. If you can't do it on that sort of consumer or that individual level, what about that corporate level, that corporate responsibility level? Yeah, the actual manufacturers of products, like the, the yeah. FMCG companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that uh, there's, there's plenty of FMCG companies that are thinking about it and they're working towards it. So, um you know, it'll it'll slowly but surely happen over a very long period of time. Mm. Um, but it's about kind of making it making it more and more attractive and making it more more mandatory by, uh, you know, a little bit of subtle protesting. Mm. I mean, and stamping taxes, you know, on sort of you know using plastic bags and so forth. We know that I think yeah, I think Denmark started it right in the nineties. But yeah. again, we can't see that happening here, can we? It's not going to happen. Anytime. Well, it's interesting we got rid of plastic bags. Yeah, and, um, yes. We, and we didn't and, need and, to put tax on that to do so. Yeah. Yeah, not, not that it made a, a huge difference or anything like that. It's just that um, it, it was something that changed and on a mass scale. Mm. So it just takes like one big uh, thing to come through and, and tip the scales, and I feel like uh, the more innovation and, and kind of design-led uh, mm. that come into market with it will eventually happen mm. at some point. You mentioned that obviously the lockdowns um, had some impact on your, on your tree planting project and that was a challenge. Uh, do you think, though, that in general lockdown uh, sort of created enough pause for us to have a refocus on the environment and just health in general? Do you think that it did a reset in any way? Uh, I don't think so i think that um people probably reflected on their own personal lives not not so much on the environment um because it's harder to gauge um you don't think people got into their gardens and just sort of i'm just just playing devil's advocate here i mean i just wondered whether people you know because i thought about this question too and i wondered whether people just kind of got into their gardens more and did more home gardening and grew more and then got that into their kitchens and it was a little bit more from their garden to their kitchen table maybe, just had more time. They may have. They may have. Um, 
yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. But I, I, I do think that in terms of health, um, you know, I reckon the the whole uh pandemic has has played has taken its toll on people. Um, it, it so has. It has. Coming out the coming out the other side of it, I think that there will be more focus on health. Yeah. yeah. Did your did your retail slow down a bit over lockdown? Yeah, yeah. So we um we actually stayed open. Right. Um uh, but we we dropped uh, significantly in all the stores, but we we felt like we needed to stay open and, and provide. Mm. So your three stores uh, did sort of stay trading. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah. So it was it, it was slow. Mm-hmm. Um, we and we got chucked in the deep end for for how to distribute online. So that's been the big learning curve. Did you have any supply chain challenges? Not really, actually. Um, we, we were pretty lucky. The only mm. thing is that um, shipping went up about 600%. <laughs> Didn't um, it? I know. Just freight yep. in general was just a killer. And you, mm. and you couldn't really pass those costs on, right, to the consumer. It wasn't just – you just couldn't do that. Yeah, so we've been seeing that, right, over the last couple of months, everything's gone up in price. That's right, yeah. And, I mean, you can't you, – like I said, you can't, you can't go up with those nuts per kilo and now, you know, 600% more. It just doesn't really work like that. Another argument for getting things closer. That's that's right, going local. Um, in terms of your work, just in the community, um, I understand you go into schools, right, and talk and and, and what just to share a little bit about that. What what are you talking about? Where are you going? Who are you talking to? What sort of age groups? And and do you enjoy that work? Yeah, I've done a little bit of that. Um, haven't done it for a while. Um, and I would just go into whatever school would take me and have a chat yeah. uh, about sustainability. I'd usually take in a wee presentation and, sh- and show them um, how, how bad the plastic problem really mm, is. Mm. Uh, talk a little bit about climate change and things like that. And then uh, give them, a, give them un- an understanding of how, how simple it is if you put your mind to it to, mm. to change things. And then, uh, then I'd tell them to go home to their parents and start um, Making some changes, and yeah, <laughs> excellent. So sort of, yeah, it's it's like inside out, kind of getting the kids to kind of get to the parents. So these are these primary aged kids. Ah, uh, yeah, it's typically been primary age, yeah. and they're, they're unbelievably intelligent. Um, All right, I, I swear I was nothing like that when I was in primary school. Kind of soaking it up, right? Yeah, yeah, kids getting up and kind of telling me what's up, <laughs> and yeah, getting re- yeah receptive, yeah. That that's excellent. Yep. It's it's really good you're doing that. And just sort of in terms of being a bit more of an activist, just around some of the thinking and the work that you're doing. What what are you doing? Um, I don't think I've uh, kind of publicly been out there too much. Um, in all honesty, last couple of years it's been kind of uh, hunkered down and and mm. get into the operations of of Good Four and try and make it survive through mm. the pandemic. So um, love to get back into those that core element yeah. of uh, bringing these issues to light. Yeah. I, I mean, lockdown hasn't helped, has it, you know? And I mean, yeah, lock- I, yeah I mean, lockdown's obviously, right, restricted some of the wider activities that you can do sort of in community and, and so forth. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's all freeing up now, right? Like, yeah, it I is. It is. I, I mean, you've, you talk about having a quality team on site in order to be able to reach your business objectives. Uh, do you yeah. work off-site uh, in your busy day or do you tend to do quite a bit from home? Uh, we, we've got a, we've got an office and, and warehouse kind of um, together and, um, you know, we've got our retail locations, but our, our, our kind of key people, the most important people in our team is the, uh, is the leaders of the stores. Yeah. Um, 
So we're just in constant communication, um, trying to work with them and and uh, refining our model and trying to improve it. Mm. Um, so yeah, most of the time spent at the office, but try to get around the stores and, and right. see what's going on. So yeah. you've got you've got Williamson Avenue, you've got a store in Nelson, and where's the other store? Is it Newmarket? So so we've got um, we've got one in uh, Ponsonby, Ponsonby. Uh, Tafapuna. Oh, okay. Um, we've got one in Nelson. We've got one in Wellington. Okay. And one in Christchurch. Oh, okay, in Christchurch. We're about in Christchurch. I was just there on the weekend. Christchurch is on Wells Street in a place called the Welder. Oh, Have you heard of it? No, no. Is it is it sort of like a a group of um like a conglomerate? like a health and wellness centre? Excellent. Really oh, and like cool. yeah, studio and everything there. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's excellent. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, and and are you planning to sort of grow a little bit more, or what are the plans for the future looking like? Yeah, yeah, we've got big plans to grow. Um, we've been working on kind of a new store concept, um, okay. much more service-based concept with some really cool um, kind of design elements to it. Um, when so when you say be... service-based, what do you mean? Oh, you know, um, I think, you know, uh, uh, when you look at Good4 and you look at, um, you know, potentially even the bulk section of a supermarket, um, you, we, our stores are manned, right? So you've got people in there. And we've, we seem to attract these really lovely uh, team members that are interested in health and interested in the environment, mm. and a lot of knowledge. So um, we're wanting to make our kind of stores become more of a place where you'd be educated by a person um, and they'd really help you with your shop. You know, mm. we'd go back to saying, how can we make it more convenient oh, yes. for containers? Um, so, yeah, um, very, very much kind of talking and, and helping to fill service-based stores um, much bigger than what the current stores are. Interesting. And I think that's a good point. I think, you know, you're not shopping uh, and just sort of being left to it. It's an extra, you know, it's a very consultative process where you're sort of working alongside or shopping alongside smart people who actually, you know, care and give a shit, for want of a better word. They really are quite invested in what, you know, what you're seeking out or just have sort of deep institutional knowledge around foods. And I think that in itself has to be an asset for a shopper. So I think, um, you know, talking about that more and making that difference kind of understood has to be a big part of, you know, the improved shopping experience. Um, yeah, you're yeah. going to get customer service at a supermarket. So we want to make customer service, you know, pretty yeah. much – the thing that we hang our hats on, um, you go in there and you walk out saying that was the best customer service I've ever had. Yeah, and I think that's, um, you know, that's something I'm going to look forward to trying and just seeing if I, you know, personally do experience that. I'm looking forward to that. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you talk about being 30% there and understanding the supply and demand flow even after, what, is it three years? <laughs> is that right? You've been doing this for three years now, right? I've been doing it for five years. Oh, five. Yep. We, we've, hit, we've hit a funny road. So, yeah, I would say, like, I'm, I'm only a fraction of the way there of learning, but I've definitely started to get a handle on some key things, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you're just recognising that you're sort of, um, you, you're, you're in pretty deep. There's some lots of challenges. So how do you sort of maintain your physical and mental health along the way? Because, I mean, you're – you know, you're brave, you're brave, you're entrepreneurial, you're sort of carving out new ground. How do you kind of keep that balance for yourself? Yeah, I've got two young kids, um, three and five-year-old boys. They're pretty pretty full on. Um, mm. So it, is, it has been full on and uh, the mental element has been really hard. So 
I've kind of learnt that I need to do certain things um, to stay on top of that. Yeah. Um, and spiral out of control. Yeah. Um, so it's like 100%. It's mandatory for me to exercise now. It used to be like a every now and then like I might Like a trait, like a breakout trait. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You actually have to do it. Um, breath work, meditation, like I actually need to do that on a daily basis now. Mm. So, you, uh, yeah. so you, that, you exercise really. daily, you're saying, and you do all that meditation. You meditate. Do you do that? Do you sort of do that for a long time or you're actually quite proficient at that and can sort of tap in and out of that quite quickly? Because we've had some interesting conversations about meditation and, and some people can actually meditate efficiently for five or ten minutes and they can actually do that at multiple points in the day even and others will do that once a day for longer. Yeah, it, it, it depends. Um, like I can, I, I, it's it's mandatory for me to do it. It can be really short, mm-hmm. but I don't get the same result as, you know, if I sit down and meditate for 35, 40 minutes, uh, it's amazing what how, how kind of um, back to square one you get. You know, mm-hmm. five minutes long, you can, you can get back to kind of a good platform. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a short, it's a shortened version. But you basically you, basically, you acknowledge the benefits. Oh, meditation is, is and like, it's essential. You just it's, feel it's really, so, do you feel refreshed after that? I think, you know, you can, you can get caught up in, um, you know, hundreds of thoughts going on um, to do with business, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Et cetera. And when they start to seem like um, you, can, you can't kind of get uh, one thought pattern going for a while, meditation allows you to come back um, and then have a, prolonged focused thought pattern on one thing for a long period of time. So um, it just gets you back to square one. Yeah. And, Mentally. and yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, do you think that that could be for, or for another person that could be a flotation tank experience? Um, I think I've done flotation before. Uh, I didn't particularly like it. It, it, it really depends. Uh, you know, meditation is ultimately getting to focus your mind again. Mm. Um, you know, if you're thinking in a flotation tank, you're not meditating. Um, right. But I, could, I couldn't speak to that, I don't think. Yeah, so you didn't find you sort of switched off enough? I think I was still thinking heavily. But ah. if you're in a flotation tank and you start concentrating on your breath um, and focusing on that, sure. Yeah, you know, you yeah, yeah. Is that because you kept could... hitting corners, like bobbing around? <laughs> 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 or you got dripped on and then that just yeah, pulled, yeah. pulled you out? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe I had a cut or something Yeah, like that. that hurts. Excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, because I do a bit of floating because I find meditating quite hard. <laughs> so floating is yeah. probably the closest that I get to, <laughs> to meditation. But uh, I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, well, it's been it's been a pleasure to uh, talk to you, and you know, congrats on the work that you're doing. It's um, it's really challenging work to be stepping into this space with FMCG, and um, you are doing a great job, and I just wish you all the best with what you're doing, and just your growth plans. And it's obviously very challenging, in, in such a small market like New Zealand, to be doing what you're doing. So I take, really take my hat off to you and say well done. And I'm looking forward to Good. seeing what you get up to in the next few years. And I can't wait to visit your store and to stock up on some foods and take a look around and meet your staff and just really yeah, just give the experience it. a go, you know, and to talk to others about it and find out more about what you're doing just on the ground in the store. So what store do you think you're going to? 
I'll probably have to go to your Ponsonby store. That most local to you. Yeah, most local to me. Yeah, are you are you just going to tell them all? That? Just look out for the. Yeah, look yeah. out, look out for Karen. <laughs> look out, look out for Karen. She's gonna she's gonna come in at the rate of knots. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I won't bring any plastic, and I promise. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for having me on Thanks the podcast. Thanks so much for, for joining us today and um, we'll certainly be in touch. Thanks, Jane. Awesome. Thanks very much. Thank you for tuning in. The Ad Source podcast has a community of over 5,000 listeners worldwide and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to support the show, please give us a rating and review or get in touch via email in the show notes to give us feedback or just say hi. Are you experiencing fatigue and tiredness? Nature Bee has the solution for long, sustained energy with potentiated power pollen. The capsules are filled with bee pollen, which are rich in micronutrients to support many aspects of human health. These products are developed in line with Nature Bee's belief that people are at their healthiest when they nourish their bodies on the inside and the outside with natural or naturally based products. Head over to naturebee.com to try your power pollen capsules today. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.